Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. And good Thursday, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for the boss, Tim, today, and Ed. Good to be here with we is uh, Chris Woodward. Good morning. I'm and filling in for the boss man. You're filling in for the boss man. And Chris Chris has actually been in studio since what time this morning, Chris? Uh, the wee hours of something. It was dark. It was very dark. Chris is filling in for Rusty Pew doing morning anchor duties yes. today, which means like a 3.30 wake up call or get in here by 3:30 or something like that. Yes. A lot of I've consumed uh about four or five pots of coffee. <laughs> That'll keep you going, huh? Yeah, I could walk to Ray's house. <laughs> Ray <laughs> Pritchard in Kansas City. Good I morning, sir. Fill, I am filling in for myself this morning. That's so. right. Great <laughs> Good great to, to have you guys. You. And Thanks. Steve Jordan will join us in about an hour or so. Also joining us uh, for the next uh, several minutes is our good friend Gary Bauer, Campaign for Working Families in Washington, D.C. Good morning, Gary Bauer. Hey, good morning. Good to, good to talk to you, Fred, and to the whole team there. All right. We wanted Gary to come on because he has that Washington perspective on uh, what's going on in the nation politically and otherwise, and there is so much to talk about. Afghanistan is still leading uh, the news this morning on various fronts. And uh, first we want to talk about uh, the President Joe Biden. And I, I want to play for you, and you've heard this audio uh, several times now. It's audio from going back in early July when President Biden was telling the nation there's really nothing to worry about. So we're going to exit Afghanistan. It'll go smoothly. Nothing, nothing like Saigon. So this little bit to jog your memory about what the President was saying back in early July. Cut one. And do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the the North Vietnamese army. They're not not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the of the united states from afghanistan it is not at all comfortable so the question now is where do they go from here that the jury is still out but the likelihood there's going to be the taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely well that was then uh let's fast forward to the last 48 hours when our president was interviewed by george stephanopoulos on abc uh, note the change in words that he's now using. Cut number two. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the, when the Taliban, uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country. When you saw the significant collapse of the of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off, that was, you know, I'm not, this, it, it, that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen 
Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. Highly unlikely what he just described was happening right now in Afghanistan, Gary. Gary, I was reading your end-of-day uh, publication, which comes out daily. I get it in my email. It's yeah. a wonderful publication. This is what you said yesterday. We're just seven months into his presidency, and already Joe Biden has committed the greatest military and national security blunder in modern American history. But, uh, you know, Joe Biden told us a few weeks ago, highly unlikely, these problems. What's going on with President Joe Biden? Uh, Fred, this, I've been uh, in Washington longer than I care to remember. Uh, I, I've never seen anything quite like uh, the ongoing disaster, uh, euphemistically known as the Biden presidency. Uh, whether it's people by the hundreds of thousands pouring into the country over our southern border, or now this fiasco, which is uh, a, a human tragedy and an unbelievable defeat for the United States on, in so many ways, it, it's hard to totally comprehend how much this will come back to bite us uh, over and over and over again. Uh, the, the president, they, they can't get their story straight. I mean, a couple of days ago, he was saying that uh, nobody could have possibly predicted the collapse of the resistance to the Taliban. But then, as you just pointed out, yesterday he said, well, whenever we got out of, uh, of Afghanistan, there would have been chaos. There, there, there wouldn't have been any way to do this without chaos. That's the exact opposite of what the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretary of Defense said yesterday. Yeah. They can't even coordinate their own lives. Um, we could, we're not out of the woods by, by any figment of imagination. We've got all these Americans miles and miles away from Kabul, and they're being told, get to the airport and we'll get you out. But you're on your own to get to the airport. Mm. Well, what are they supposed to do? Call an Uber? I mean, what, we, we don't leave Americans behind. I would just say, you know, to the average American it isn't and shouldn't be an expert on military matters. But common sense is, is in strong supply among the American people. We took our military out of Afghanistan before we got our civilians out of Afghanistan. And now we have to send more military back in to try to get them. Does any American think that makes sense, that that's a logical, common-sense way for the president to have approached this uh, surrender in Afghanistan? We could end up with the biggest hostage crisis in the history of the United States. We could end up in a couple of weeks with 10,000 Americans stranded in Afghanistan thousands of Afghans who we've worked with stranded at the airport and the Taliban demanding a price if we want to uh, rescue them. Gary, there were some uh, scary moments in a news conference held yesterday by the, <clears throat> pardon me, the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They were asked by reporters, well, what about these people <clears throat> outside? Because we know the Taliban is controlling the checkpoints. I said yesterday, 
Taliban is now actually acting as TSA uh, for for uh, the airport there. They're checking everybody who's approaching the airport, trying to come in. But uh, the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff were asked, okay, you've got thousands of people uh, who are still out there. At some point, would the American military go out and try to do apparently what the British and the French paratroopers are doing right now, going out to people's homes to try to bring them in to get them out? And our military leaders said, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, the, the one, uh, I believe it was the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, said that we'll get as many as we can mm. un- until the clock runs out. This, this is the United States of America. We set when the clock runs out. Our top military leader just told Communist China and North Korea and Iran and Russia that at this point, uh, whatever number of Taliban warriors there are, uh, are able to hold the American military at bay. Because we don't have the will, perhaps, to rescue all the Americans that are in Afghanistan. That's what I was referring to, Fred, when I said this is going to come back and keep injuring the United States. If you're the president of Taiwan right now, and you've got communist China threatening you daily, do you really think, if push comes to shove, that the United States, in this showing this kind of weakness to the Taliban, is going to stand up to communist China to save the people of Taiwan? in a showdown, we are losing allies and we are uh, emboldening our enemies. And that is a deadly combination. Gary, to your point about other countries looking at us, I was reading this morning uh, about what the Russians are doing. The Russians seem to have good relationships with the Taliban. But at, at one point in this story, it's an Associated Press story, they're mocking America for leaving behind so much valuable military equipment. The Russians are saying nobody does that, but that's exactly what's happened as also. Well, that, that's exactly right. I mean, one of the worst things that, uh, I saw yesterday were uh, some special forces Taliban units wearing American uniforms, outfitted with night goggles that was one of the main advantages we had over the Taliban, and carrying American-made weapons. We left armored personnel carriers there. Biden has known for months that we were going to leave. Those things could have been get, could have been shipped out over these months coming up to the deadline that he set. None of that was done. I find it really ironic that the president that is so committed to taking guns away from law-abiding Americans, just intentionally left millions of dollars of guns to be used by our enemies in Afghanistan. Hey, it's Chris here. I have a question as far as the uh, the push for some of these Afghan translators and other citizens of Afghanistan to be able to come here as uh, refugees. Is there any concern that someone maybe a, a member of the Taliban might pose as a peace-loving Afghani, if that's the correct term to use, and, and try to take advantage of the system to come here as a refugee and then seek to do harm. 
Chris, uh, bingo. Uh, you know, for uh, those of us who are Christians, we all feel a faith-based impulse uh, to want to help people that are in trouble, to try to save them. That's a legitimate impulse, and it follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. But Jesus did not tell us we had to be stupid. And the way they're taking people, Afghans, out of Afghanistan now, and bringing them directly to the United States to be put on American military bases, they should be flown to a third country, one of the number of allies we have in the Middle East. They should be flown to one or more of those countries where they will be thoroughly vetted before they're brought into the United States. I think it is more than likely, just as there are terrorists that are hiding among uh, the so-called migrants that are pouring across our southern border, that there will be jihadists uh, at the airport acting as if they are refugees uh, trying to be brought here to the United States. And by the way, I would remind somebody, there, there was a once a little girl that the United States rescued from a refugee camp in Somalia. She is currently a member of the United States Congress. Her name is Ilhan Omar. She hates the American military. She hates the United States. She hates Israel. She hates the police. So even being brought here at the largesse of the American people, and probably at the time was not a murderous person when she came as a little kid, nonetheless now is an enemy of the United States, and she's sitting in the Congress of the United States. So we keep underestimating the pool of radical Islam and what, how it can motivate somebody even if we, out of compassion, have saved them to eventually, when they get here, end up becoming an enemy of the United States. Ray? Gary, Ray Pritchard here. Let's talk just for a moment about the situation with the Christian minority in Afghanistan. Now, we know it's an overwhelmingly Muslim country, but there is a small and vibrant Christian community uh, and we are hearing some very concerning stories about uh, arrests and maybe even execution of Christians, Christian lay people and Christian leaders in Afghanistan. Uh, what can you tell us at this point? Well, um, I, I served for three years as a Trump appointee on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And one of the main issues I worked on what it was what is happening to Christians uh, throughout the Muslim world and in an increasing portion of Africa, uh, and ironically, in the birthplace of Christianity. So, yes, the Christians that are in Afghanistan are in a lot more danger today uh, than they were before uh, uh, Biden botched uh, this withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, and it's not just uh, Afghanistan. Christians in Iraq, Christians in Syria. Uh, in fact, the, the number of countries where Christians will get up this Sunday morning and walk, in many cases, long distances to a church with their families, knowing that the last thing they may do on this earth is to walk into that church, because all over the world, 
on every Sunday. There are churches that are blown up, set on fire, or when Christians leave those churches, they're mowed down uh, by jihadist fighters or by communist dictators. You name the enemy, uh, the followers of Christ have many of them all over the world. Hmm. You know, uh, I think this is a good point, uh, Ray, and I'm going to ask you to pray uh, for these Christians, uh, persecuted Christians around the world, but especially right now for Christians who, like thousands of others right now, are really at the mercy of the Taliban, who are going door to door, checking on people. These are the Taliban, you know, I, I was amazed. I, I, I guess uh, one of the military leaders was saying yesterday we're working with the Taliban uh, on, you know, as far as negotiations to get people to the airport. And I, I'm thinking, you're working with terrorists. You're working with a group of people who the Russians have described as a terrorist organization. So uh, at this point, you know, if you're listening to this program, you're reading all the stories coming out of Afghanistan, and we are disheartened by it, but we have to remind ourselves as Christians that God is still in control. And, Ray, I'd like you to just pray right now that God would wrap his hands around those dear Christians and that something good would come out of this. Would you pray for us? Let's do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the God of peace. You are the God of hope. The Bible tells us you are the God who sees. You hold every nation. Lord, you hold us all in your hands. Lord, we lift up the strife, war-torn country of Afghanistan to you. We pray right now. We pray in Jesus' name for an end to the violence. We lift up those who are hurting, those who are hungry, those who are sick. Lord, there's so many who are displaced, who feel as if the world has fallen in around them. We pray, Father, for those American citizens over there who, as Gary said, Lord, they, they, don't, they need to get to the airport and they, they don't have a safe way to get there. We pray, Lord, for our fellow men and women who are in Afghanistan, that you'll make a way for them to come safely home. We lift up the church in Afghanistan. Lord, give them courage. May their faith be bold. Deliver them from fear. Lord, help them to love in the face of hatred and rejection. Lord, in what we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, we pray for brothers and sisters across the, the Middle East, many of them in desperate, dangerous situations. Lord, you know your people. Uh, Lord, you see your people. Lord, we pray, do not forget your people in this time of need. Lord, let the church rise up and be strong so that no matter what happens, that your people will be preserved and be a bold witness for you. Father, we, we pray too. You told us to pray for those in power, so we pray for the Taliban, leaders in Afghanistan. We pray that you'll restrain them from evil, and we pray, Lord, somehow work some miracle open the eyes of their heart so that these uh, men who have come to power might rule with justice and honor, and we pray that the gospel might come to the leaders of the Taliban so that they might turn to you. Lord, in all these things, you've taught us to pray thy kingdom come. And Lord, how much we need your kingdom to come. And we pray now with the saints of all the ages, we say, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly to our hurting, broken world. Give us faith to keep on praying and not to give up. 
to believe, Lord, that out of this something good will come, even though maybe right now we don't see it. Let something good come. Let the church rise up and be strong around the world. Come, Lord Jesus, because we need you so much. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, thank you so much, Ray. Uh, Gary, we just have a few minutes left before we have to let you go. As I mentioned, you call this uh, possibly the greatest military and national security blunder in modern American history. Yes. I've been struck by the fact I'm not hearing a lot of Democrats right now uh, that are coming out to support their president. Uh, could this be the end of the presidency of uh, Joe Biden? I, uh, I hope it is. Um, I've noticed the same thing. Uh, usually the, the, the other members of his party immediately would leap to his defense. Uh, I think many of them are stunned. Um, I cannot imagine this level of incompetence and cluelessness and weakness continuing for another three and a half years. I mean, he is the president, and uh, the implications of that are incredible. I just saw a poll this morning that uh, if the election were held again today, uh, Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden by seven percentage points. I guess a lot of those people that didn't like Trump's tweets have decided maybe the tweets were less of a problem uh, than the kind of American retreat uh, that we're seeing across the world today under this president. Gary Bauer, Campaign for Working Families. As I say, I read your end-of-day report each day. How can people get that? It's a wonderful assessment of what's going on in our nation's capital and what's going on uh, with our political leadership these days. How can they get that end-of-day report each day? Thank you, Fred. It's our, O-U-R, ouramericanvalues.org. You can go there and sign up for it. And in this last second I've got left during one of the breaks, uh, you all mentioned to your listeners to not forget to support American Family Radio. Let me add my voice to that. All these years in Washington, the one place I could count on over and over again was American Family Radio to get the work, the work, uh, the word out to Christians and the American people. I hope you continue to prosper. Our country needs you all more than ever today. Thank you so much, Gary. We sure appreciate you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Well, you know, eh, there's much more ahead on this program, and we have to go to a break in just a second, guys. But, uh, Chris, uh, from your point of view, you came in early this morning. You're mm-hmm. doing the assessment. We're, we're watching uh, as things unfold in Afghanistan. And more and more we're getting reports of desperation for the people who are waiting for the phone call right. from the State Department say, get to the airport. But the problem we're seeing still is... These people can't get in. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 terrifying to live under the situation you're in, and it's certainly stressful knowing there's nothing you can do uh, about your government basically leaving you there. The uh, we had this uh, gentleman's audio yesterday, I believe. I know we had it on the sheet at least. But Fox News had talked to an American citizen, last name Haroon, yesterday, who yes. was he was stuck mm-hmm. in. Uh, Afghanistan could not get to the airport for help. That guy was back on Fox and Friends today, uh, still stuck there. And Geraldo actually uh, did a a live phone interview with uh, another American over there that was trapped. So there are people over there that are our fellow Americans that don't know what the next hour holds. Yes, It's very terrifying. And, uh, Ray, we just have to keep praying for this situation because God can intervene. He certainly can. 
He will, and even Fred, when we can't see it, God is at work. So hold on to that, folks. Absolutely. Listening to this Thursday edition, today's issues, much more ahead in the next half hour. And the half hour following that, right up to 11.30 Central Time. Don't go away. We'll be right back. So they asked me to enter my email address. And the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU, dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU, or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer. There are as many as 15,000 Americans behind enemy lines at this hour, trapped in Afghanistan, left behind by President Biden. The State Department says they can no longer guarantee the safety of Americans who were told to shelter in place. President Biden has been completely dismissive of the danger. So has the mainstream media. CNN reporter Clarissa Ward said the Taliban seemed downright friendly, even though they were chanting death to America. This is a very real and present danger to every American and every Afghan American in Kabul. They are de facto hostages, and they will be used as leverage by the Taliban to get whatever they want from the Biden administration. But maybe the most troubling part of this story is that Joe Biden abandoned his fellow countrymen to go on yet another vacation to Delaware. Be sure to pick up a copy of my brand new book, Our Daily Biscuit, available at ToddStearns.com. In him we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything by the counsel of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. 
Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back to today's issues. Fred Jackson sitting in for Tim and Ed today with me in studio is reporter Chris Woodward. And in Kansas City, Casey is Dr. <laughs> Ray Pritchard to Keep Believing Ministries. You know, you were giving us a weather report a while ago. Beautiful day there. Did you say it's in the 70s and sunny? Yeah, I think it's about 74 degrees, partly cloudy, few little clouds, no rain. It's good bike riding weather if Tim were here. It's good golf weather. It sounds like it. Uh, there's a song that I'm going to Kansas City. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You remember that yeah. song? Yeah, I don't know the song. I bet you Brent does. Brent, uh, our producer, do you want to sing a few? Yeah, sing uh, a few bars, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> if Steve were here, he Steve would sing a few bars. He for probably us. <laughs> would. He probably would. Uh, yeah, I remember that that song just came to mind. That sounds like gorgeous weather up there. Oh, it's it's fabulous. Early fall, maybe. Yeah, it's it's it. it this is more typical September weather, oh, right? Yeah, boy, that's my sounds... daughter had soccer practice a couple of nights ago, uh, and I think I left there fifteen pounds lighter. I know. After <laughs> I mean, it was oh, brutal. It's a dangerous time of the year for a lot of these kids, and we've heard oh, yeah. stories. Yeah, uh, you know these uh, football teams are practicing mm-hmm. and soccer teams. It's uh, I, I know there are stated limits uh, yeah. when these they're supposed to cut those practices off. Uh, but uh, it's tough. When I first moved down to the south many years ago, and they were, I heard of practices in August with hundred degree temperatures. Oh yeah, and they'll do it twice a day uh, during the summer, right before school starts. They have two a days, or sometimes even three a days. Listen, if I, if I didn't take a hard hit, and that would discourage me yeah. at a practice, the weather would. And let me say this too: I was in the band. Shout out to all the band people there out there go. that had we forget band about camp. Them. Way that's to go, right. tubas, hey, drummers. Hey, listen, that's why, that's why I play hockey. Yeah. We don't worry about hot weather. We're yeah. inside at the at, at That's the right. It's cold. Hey, I was, you know, I was on the drum line. I mean, you know, we were the most popular people. Everybody wanted to hear us. Even the football team was like, play the horse. <laughs> right, right, right. Go Panthers, right. by the way. There you have it, folks. Uh, boy, we can switch topics so yeah, quickly. So good. I tell you what. Now hey, for the bad news. Now for the bad news. Well, yesterday... Uh, I, I mentioned in our first segment that the uh, defense secretary and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they were sent out to face reporters. They were giving an update on what's going on in Afghanistan. But mm-hmm. I was, and I, I've said this so rarely lately, I was kind of proud of the reporters from the various news agencies there. They actually asked tough questions yes. uh, of these, of what's going on there. And and took them to task for saying, you know, that the, the airport is secure. Well, that's nice, but the problem is the, the Taliban are controlling the entrances mm-hmm. to the airport, and the Taliban right now are controlling everything else. So later, about an hour later, President Joe Biden had a news conference. Now, we were told in advance he was going to talk about COVID. Mm-hmm. He announced that there are uh, he's going to cut off Medicare and Medicaid funding to nursing homes unless the nursing homes force their staff mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to have vaccinations. Correct. And then he uh, he took a swipe at, he didn't mention any governors, but he took a swipe at politicians who have been discouraging mask mandates, particularly for mm-hmm. kids at school. All right? All right. So it would seem this country is in a national security crisis right now. 
There is the president of the United States at the White House. All right, he's, he's talked about his COVID concerns. Surely he would take time at the end of that to answer questions because yesterday I heard some questions being shouted to him later, mm-hmm. and it wasn't about COVID. Yeah. It was about Afghanistan. But the president wrapped things up, God bless America, and turned and he walked away. Which is what he did on Monday when I still say he was forced into doing the presidential address. Yes. uh, Because CNN had reported just hours earlier that he was going to be addressing the nation in the next few days. Yes. And then when people obviously were critical of him for that, he cuts his uh, Camp David trip short, goes to the White House, does the uh, press conference that was not a press conference, and then walked out of the room. Yeah. Well, as I say, he didn't mention any governors by name mm-hmm. that have been resisting, but I think everybody knew one yeah. of the governors he's referring to is Governor DeSantis of yeah. Florida. Yeah, it's very clear uh, if you watch any news these days, there's no love lost between Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis, who himself is a veteran. Uh, Governor DeSantis was in the U.S. Navy prior to uh, serving in Congress and obviously going on to become the uh, governor of Florida. DeSantis uh, was on the Sean Hannity uh, program last night on Fox News Channel, and Hannity asked DeSantis, hey, you're a military guy. What do you think about the situation in Afghanistan and Joe Biden's handling of the situation? And Governor DeSantis said, you better buckle up, folks. We're in for a rocky three and a half years under this president and his foreign policy. Clip three. First, let me say, I mean, obviously, after 9-11, we needed to go in and rout the Taliban and al-Qaeda. Uh, but I think, in hindsight, we, we should have come home after that. I think trying to do the democracy and all that, um, I think, has been very problematic. Now, having said that, uh, and I think Trump was right to say we needed to come home from Afghanistan, how you do that matters. When you're leaving thousands of Americans to fend for themselves behind enemy lines, that matters. When you're leaving billions of dollars in military equipment, for our enemies to just take, that matters. It's going to make that area a disaster. Obviously, Americans are at risk. And, Sean, you know who's looking at this? China, Russia, North Korea. All of our adversaries are taking the measure of Joe Biden, and they see that this is not somebody who's capable of leading uh, with conviction and, and leading on the world stage. So they are going to do everything they can as long as he's president, to take advantage of that. And I think we're in for a rocky three and a half years as long as he's president. Now, guys, real quick, I think it matters, too, because four years from now, eight years from now, whether it's President Kamala Harris, a president, Governor Ron DeSantis, or somebody else in the White House, they're going to still be having to deal with the situation Joe Biden just created. I know. Ray, one of the things that Governor DeSantis said there, we're in for, I think he said, a rough three and a half years. Ray, I, I just have to think, and I'd I'd like your thoughts on this, I have to think that Democrats right now are saying, we can't let Joe Biden go for three and a half years. Uh, We've got to find a way uh, for him to make an exit. We'd like it to be graceful, but right now, uh, we've got a train wreck going on with Afghanistan. And uh, you heard Gary Bauer say the latest poll that... uh, Donald Trump would win today. If there was an election today, Donald Trump would win by seven mm-hmm. percentage points. Uh, I, I've got to think Democrats are very nervous, and I wonder if there's some strategy sessions going on behind closed doors. How do we get Joe out of here? Well, the, you know, two or three problems here. Number one, this is turning into a PR disaster. Now, let's understand what is happening on the ground in Afghanistan is a humanitarian international disaster, but 
from the standpoint of the people inside the White House, this is uh, Joe Biden's kryptonite. Everything that he has done has been wrong. He's Every move he's made about Afghanistan has just exposed his weakness, his lack of leadership, his total inability to, to, to make a strong decision. And Americans across the political spectrum, I mean, we, we've already said this, right? Number one, Americans generally have agreed we need to get out of Afghanistan. But number two, not this way. And every day the situation is getting worse and worse. So now what are they going to do, Fred? We've got the, the midterms coming up. If, if as and Gary Bauer suggested, you know, look in, in China, they're, they're looking at this. China's got their eyes on Taiwan. I mean, they, the dictators and the totalitarians around the world are laughing at us now for the way this Afghanistan thing has unfolded, and we're not to the end of it yet. So, so I'm saying to myself, what are they going to do? Maybe at some point, could, could we be? Could, okay, guys, remember in 1974, before yes. Nixon resigned, we had those stories of this group of senators, this group of congressmen, this group of leaders, they would go to Nixon, and you know, in in March of that year, Mr. President, you're in trouble. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. May, you're in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. June, July, finally in early August, Barry Goldwater and others go to him and say, Mr. President, it's over. You cannot win in Congress. You're going to be impeached. And finally, he steps down. One wonders how long until we're going to hear about delegations going to the White House and saying, Mr. President, yeah. this isn't working. I think that is what is going to happen because I don't think anybody wants to be the one to try to uh, use the amendment mm-hmm. to remove right. him from office. I think it's better to, hey, you can you can do it your way. You can say you're doing it for the good of the country. You succeeded in what you wanted to do as far as infrastructure or whatever policy you want to claim you did uh, because you don't want to be the guy that had to use your resources to say, hey, you're not fit for office anymore. But, guys, not that the country would breathe a sigh of relief if we had President Kamala Harris. Oh, no. Right. right. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't look forward to that either. Yeah, uh, uh, because she's missing in action right now too. No, wait a minute. She's packing her bags. Yeah, ironically, she's you know talking in talks with Vietnam, which is the country we're comparing the situation right. in Afghanistan right. to. I don't know who in the world in the war room didn't <laughs> lean in and go, maybe we should reschedule. That, that's right. Right, send her to Argentina or something. Something or France. Don't send her to Vietnam to to invite all the absolute inevitable comparisons. But don't you think, Fred, we're going to hear what Governor DeSantis said. We're going to hear it from the Democrat side. They're going to say, they're going to whisper among themselves, as they probably already are, we can't go through three and a half more years like this. We just can't no. be wiped out. And and I think, actually, the change has to come before the midterms. Yeah. Uh, and we're just, what, 14 months out, uh, roughly from there? Right. From the midterms? And we've got, uh, you know, hundreds of Democrats hmm. who would like to come back. Sure. I think Nancy Pelosi's through, but mm-hmm. I, I think you got hundreds. They're already worried, the Democrats are, that they're going to, even before Afghanistan occurred, Right. they're already worried, the Democrats are, that they're going to lose seats to the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Republicans are going to gain control of the House. With this, right. now the Democrats have to be worried about the Senate yeah. as well. So you could see uh, you could see this control switch to the Republicans. 
I, I think if something is going to be done, the Democrats are going to press forward. Something's got to be done before Christmas. Yeah. I hope that hmm. people, well. you know, I would, I would like to think that politicians, regardless of party, would realize, okay, we need to, we need to do what is best for the nation. Yes. Let's not do it so that way we can cover our seats two years from now or we can get back into whatever seat four years from now. Let's do what's good for the nation now. I don't know uh, that that is what is, will actually happen. Uh, I'm, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, uh, although I don't remember the events of 1974, as I tried to joke a minute ago. But anyway, um, I, I really hope, you know, we need people to say it doesn't matter what happens next year. It, 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 what happens now is what matters. Sadly, I don't think we'll um, get into that situation. What I am very interested in seeing, though, is whether or not Republicans can actually come out together and be a cohesive unit. Because they promised us for years under Obama, hey, get us in there and we'll make things better. Yeah. And then you hand them everything on a platter and we still have Obamacare. We still have all these other things that you said you were going to fix and never did because you couldn't come together. You know, it is interesting to listen to Republicans who have been around for a long time. You mentioned through the next years, 1974, Newt Gingrich, uh, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich is one of those he was on Fox and Friends this morning to give his report card, cut number four. The tragedy of all this is he's still going to be president for more than three more years. Nobody in the world is going to trust him. And the Europeans are watching him abandon them. <clears throat> Remember, they have, there are, I think, 100,000 Europeans in Afghanistan. The Afghans who fought on our side are watching him abandon them. He has surrendered to the Taliban. The Chinese are openly saying this means that Taiwan will now be gone because nobody's going to trust Biden to protect Taiwan. And I don't know whether it's senility or ignorance or arrogance. I, I think we have to, to watch also, in listening to Newt Gingrich there, the former House Speaker, we also have to watch, and I think Gary just mentioned this a moment ago, we could have the largest hostage incident mm -hmm. in history on our hands. Uh, I think even the Biden administration was admitting yesterday there are upwards of 15,000 American citizens. Let's let's forget for a moment the, the Afghan citizens and others right. who want to get out. Fifth, stop and think about that for a second. That's almost the size of a small city in America. 15,000. You may mention a moment ago the interview that Geraldo Rivera did this mm -hmm. morning on Fox and Friends. And it was with an American man who's been there helping. He and his family, they've been in Afghanistan, helping uh, the American effort there. Right now at this moment, he, is, he and his family are sitting in a hotel room waiting for the phone call. And it hasn't come. He said, my children, I, don't even, I can't even allow them outside the hotel room. I can't allow them to go down to a lobby. And that story, I'm sure, is being repeated over and over and over again. This is a crisis. Ray, I, at some point, I know our military leaders are saying it's reluctant. We, we, we can't move outside the airport right now. We don't want to go in. But at some point, what is our government going to do with these 15,000 American citizens? It's an intolerable situation. Okay, and I agree. If if I'm the president, I don't have a good option here, right? There's not a there's not a good way out of this mess. 
But I tell you what, Americans will not stand. They will not stand for a president who will not protect American citizens, especially those in places of danger, especially those on the other side of the world. They will not. They, I mean, Fred, this is something Republicans, Democrats, independents are going to unite on. If a president does not do the most basic function of his office, which is to protect American people around the globe, uh, they, there will be tremendous political repercussions. And the thing is, Fred, uh, they, the Democrats know this. They can't really say this out loud. But, okay, you've got 15,000 people. What if the Taliban says, okay, for $15 billion, we'll give you your people back? What are we going to do then, Fred? Are we going to we're going to pay the money? I can't believe we would do that. What are we going to do? Send in the 82nd, the 101st Airborne, and say go get our people out. That would be an awful mess, and there would be a lot of, uh, presumably, a lot of bloodshed on the ground. But Americans will not stand for U.S. citizens, in many cases, over there at the behest of our own government, American citizens in harm's way that we are not protecting. Yeah. I would not be surprised if it came down to some kind of ransom that the yeah. Biden administration would pay it. I mean, we're, well, we're talking their money is our we're, money. We're talking they about trillions of yeah. dollars in infrastructure. Fifteen right. billion dollars is almost like pocket change mm-hmm. to Joe Biden. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, just the implications of that. Yeah, right. First, let's Joe Biden created this mess. Yes. Donald Trump had the same. Uh, had a plan Mm -hmm. to get us out of Afghanistan. I think the polling is showing that most Americans agree it was time to get out of Afghanistan. It is the the execution of the exit Mm -hmm. uh, that is in question, right? And the condemnation is almost across the board that Joe Biden has has just made a disaster out of this. And uh, we've been praying about this. We need to continue to pray about it. You know, the, the other side of this story is, and we're very familiar with this, is how the Taliban treats women. Yes. And, uh, you know, we've already seen a a tragic scene of one woman who was executed because she wasn't wearing a burqa outside. And and so women, you know, Mm -hmm. the the Afghanis now for 20 years, uh, thanks to the American president, Afghani women, Afghani young girls getting educated, uh, they've known a different life mm-hmm. over the last 20 years. So uh, it was really interesting, Chris. Uh, it was a campus reform. You're, yes. f- you're familiar with them. Yes. They did a little uh, surveying the other day with women here in America. Yeah. Campus reform, What one of the things they're known for, they send reporters on college campuses and they kind of do a man-on-the-street type segment that you would see on a television newscast where a reporter will go and ask various questions and they'll show kind of a compla- compilation of all the answers. In this particular example, you've got uh, campus reform reporter Ophelia Jacobson, and she began by asking female students at the University of Central Florida if women are oppressed here in the U.S. Clip five. Would you say that women are oppressed here? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But it's primarily, of course, there's the intersection of not just being a woman, but also being a woman of color or a poor woman or an immigrant. Yeah. I mean, there are things that make it just, there are things that make it hard. Would you say it's hard to be a woman in the United States of America? Yeah. Yeah. So hard. Yes, I do. Yes. (laughs) Um, It is. It is, yeah. Now, interestingly enough, guys, 
The same reporter, Ophelia, then turns it around and says, well, you know, prior to the U.S.-led invasion of Afghanistan, the Taliban mistreated women and did all kinds of unnice things to women. And how do you feel about that if it wasn't for the U.S.-led invasion that changed it? Clip six. Before the U.S. troops invaded Afghanistan, the Taliban was in control. And under the Taliban, women weren't allowed to have a job. They weren't allowed to get an education. They weren't allowed to hold a position in government. They were being beaten and killed under that government. We drove them out, and since then, you know, life for women in Afghanistan improved greatly because of U.S. presence. Now that the Taliban has once again invaded, many are fearing that women are going to be treated the same way as they were 20 years ago. Women are already being beaten and killed on the streets. What is your first reaction to this? It makes me very nervous for especially the young girls growing up who might not be able to get an education. Something that we should think about is refugees coming to the United States. If they worked hard for that, who do you, who do you think you are just coming here and just... Too bad. Stay in the house while the man does all the work. Like, what? Terrible. (laughs) Honestly. Now, as the philosopher Whitney Houston once said, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. That is the future of our country, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my. Ray? Well, it's terrifying on so many levels. (laughs) (laughs) How little she understands about what is going on in the world today. I'm not sure somebody like that ought to really be instructing our children, uh, preparing the leaders of tomorrow, so to speak. Yeah. We need someone else, maybe. You know, when we were talking with Gary Bauer a few moments ago, uh, mentioning about refugees and, and, and really vetting the refugees that come to this country, he mentioned Congressman Ilan Omar, mm-hmm. right. who came here as a refugee from an Islamic a country, uh, Somalia, and yet you have uh, her turning against this country now, critical of almost everything American and critical of Israel. And it, it, it amazes me, Ray, sometimes how folks who have come to this country, they have reaped the benefits of freedom. Right. Right. They have reaped the benefits of America and yet turn against it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is no more generous nation on the face of the earth than the United States of America. As you know, and that inscription on the, on the Statue of Liberty, we've been taken in the huddled masses for generations. We have opened our doors to people from all over the world. We have, we are, we will. That's part of, that's, that's kind of built into the DNA of our nation. But I think Gary Bauer's point stands. I mean, Ilhan Omar is just one example. The, the, these folks that were flying out on these cargo planes, don't bring them here first. Take them to some, some other country where we can vet them one by one by one. And you know what, guys? Even when we do the most careful vetting, some people are going to slip through sure. no matter what. Or maybe in some cases they're going to come and get they're going to get radicalized by others who are already here. But let's not say they're 15,000 or 25 or a half a million. I don't know what the number is of, of Afghanis we're going to help get out of the country. Let's not bring them immediately to the U.S. Fred, let's check them out one by one by one. And those who meet the standard, then, yeah, open the doors and let them come to America if they want to come here. Because this is this is the greatest, most generous nation on earth. I'm glad of that, but we need to be careful about who we let in, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the Biden team doesn't have the best record for vetting uh, mm-hmm. right now. 
Uh, we've had over a million people enter to this country on our southern border, uh, thanks to uh, Joe Biden removing all the restrictions that were put in place by the previous administration. We've known and we've reported this before. There are people from 26 countries that have been monitored so far mm -hmm. coming across our southern border, including those coming from Islamic nations. And we know from our Border Patrol it's not their fault. They're basically doing very short interviews. They might do a COVID test, but then they get an envelope and they're being shipped on U.S. Air Force planes in some cases and buses paid for by the taxpayer of America being shipped all over America. You know, we, we've, we've been warned before about sleeper cells, mm -hmm. and uh, we ought to take that caution to heart. Believe it or not, America... There are people in this world that do not like this country. Yes. Do you guys, you know, remember the Sarnayev brothers mm -hmm. uh, that were responsible for the uh, Boston bombing? They got to the U.S., and I'm reading from the Washington Post here. This has been largely debated, and Snopes did pieces on it and whatnot. But the Sarnayev brothers got here, according to the Washington Post, because their father had applied for a political asylum. Yeah. And then they went on to do what they did. Yeah. So uh, we, we need to be cautious about this. You know, uh, it's really interesting. On campuses across this country now, there are Muslim student clubs that are there. And some of them have been tracked very anti-Israel and very anti-America. But they're, they're given this special venue on the campuses in this country. Um, I'm hoping the lights are going on in, in, in the heads and the minds of, of Americans that... Uh, we need to return to a cautious state uh, because we're going to lose our country more ways than one if we don't stay sharp. All right. That's the first hour of this edition of Today's Issues. Chris, thanks so Thank much you. for dropping in. Ray and I will be back and we'll be joined by Steve Jordahl. And uh, much more news ahead. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it, folks. Uh, there's just so much going on. We may have to turn our attention to some other stories because there are other events that are happening in our world and we need to give them some attention also. All right, don't go away. Five minutes of news coming up, and we'll be right back. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.